Listening to the SDSU Football Podcast, presented by the East Village Times, with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison. Welcome to the SDSU Football Podcast. I am Andre Hagverdian, and I'm joined, as always, by Paul Garrison. This is episode 20 of the SDSU Football Podcast, and on today's episode. We have interviews with two current San Diego State football players. Plus, Paul and I have a discussion about the NFL draft that just concluded this past weekend that saw four San Diego State Aztecs drafted, plus five additional ones signed as undrafted free agents. First, let's get going with the interviews. Our first guest today is Sender Alama Uave. Uluave will be entering his super senior season in 2022 and his third season at starting center for the Aztecs. He will look to provide the veteran leadership for a very young but talented offensive line. Uluave earned honorable mention on the all Mountain West teams in 2021. We want to welcome uh, Alama to the SDSU football podcast. How are you doing today, man? Doing great. Thank you guys for having me. So you you went through a senior season last year. You had a senior day ceremony, uh, but you ended up deciding to return for one more year with the uh, super senior exemption. Can you tell us what went into your decision? Definitely just uh, I have unfinished business here. Coming back from my second senior year, I'm hoping that I can get better as a player, as a person, just uh, overall growing. And uh, I want to win a ring. That's really it. Yeah, you talked about the unfinished business. Obviously, you guys had a historic year in San Diego State history anyway, but not winning, you know, the 22nd conference championship. If you when you look back on the offensive line as a whole, what would, how would you assess the, your performance? I would say, well, I'm kind of biased, but I would say our O-line was definitely the best in the, in the uh, conference. I would I would make that argument with Bill, Chris, me, Zach and uh, Brandon. I thought. I thought we we had a little good thing going. I thought we were doing good, and I'm I'm excited to see where our guys go this year. Now, uh, you just mentioned a couple of the guys last year. They're looking to get in the draft, man, coming oh, yeah. up this week. Um, so yeah, give us a little time. scouting report on on uh, some of your former teammates and, and what can be expected of them when they get in the league. Oh, for sure. Uh, everybody knows Bill. Bill's my Bill is my freshman roommate. Big dude, big strong dude, funny guy. Loves to have fun, but he's just a mauler on the field. Just turns it on, and uh, he's just one of the one of the best linemen I've ever seen come out of this draft. Zach, uh, he's very very smart and very athletic. Makes up a lot of like a lot of his weaknesses are made up with his athleticism, but he's it's like he doesn't have much weaknesses. He's a pretty sound player. Knows his job and executes it very well. So then turning our attention to, to, to this year's team, um, you know, it's been no secret. That's a very young line um, with you and uh, BCD returning. So how, I guess, how does your mentality change from last year when you had all these veterans to this year where, you know, you got to bring some guys along and really show them the ropes and how to play. It's, it's different in the aspect of uh, I've been playing with Bill and Zach and Chris and all those guys for, 
for years and now I just got to start from scratch really and it's it's not that it's a hard thing because we have we have talented guys we have really talented guys in our in our line room um and they're coming along really well they're just uh they're young so we're just teaching them the Aztec way and we're just ready to roll so that's really all it takes the main difference really would just be age and experience but that'll come with time we had uh coach Goff on the podcast earlier he just raved about you man he he said, I don't know if you heard his comments, but he, he said that you almost can't put a price on. And then he then he corrected himself. He said, Well, actually, you can put a price on it. If <laughs> if having him come back, it's a very high price. He said, because you're someone who knows what everybody's doing, where everybody is supposed to be, and you're able to kind of be that anchor for it. When you hear such high praise from not just your line coach, but one of the most respected people in the industry, former player, et cetera. Um, you know, just what's your response and reaction to that? I remember seeing that somewhere. I was, I was really, I was really honored. I was, it was really cool for him to say that. I appreciate him saying that he's a uh, coach. Goff's a really great man. And I respect him. I respect the hell out of him. He's uh, really pushed me. He's uh, made me a better player and uh, I'm, I'm happy he's here. I'm happy he's helping me uh, further along my collegiate career and uh, I'm happy I'm happy he's here just to kind of uh, expound on coach Goff you know obviously we talked about how young the 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 next group of offensive linemen are what how vital is he playing in that role of developing those young guys and making sure they're ready come September 3rd very vital very vital um we as a program we do we do believe in a lot of player on player uh development where we, we allow the seniors and we allow the leaders of the groups to develop their position groups. And he's been, he's been helping me like just giving me tips on how to be a better leader, how to be vocal, when to talk, when not to talk, when like he's, he's been giving me the tips and, and I'll, I'm taking everything I can from him. He's a, he's a 12 year NFL vet. And like, there's literally, there's no way you can't say no to the dude. He's, he's a, he's a great man. And uh, I respect that. One. So, yeah. Now, as the center, can you talk about kind of what your role is, whether it's helping set up protections uh, or is that something the quarterback kind of takes care of? How do you guys divide that role? Well, the number one thing I wanted when I came back was to have more responsibility. I talked to Coach Hoke about this. I, I told him I really wanted to take on more of a role as a center, like as an offensive lineman. I know there's not much of a – not much of like a, what would you say, like schematic thing where you can just pull the center and just like make touchdowns. But yeah, but I, I told him I'll take on all the responsibility I can, uh, you give me, I, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to, I'm ready to rock and roll. And um, for our offense specifically, I would say the center is a pretty good role, a pretty like important role. Um, I just make calls. Uh, I'll just, I'm re reading defenses, making calls. Uh, communicating communicating to the QBs and RBs. Um, okay, but going a little bit further with that, man, because I mean, taking on that responsibility, man, I think it's huge for the Aztecs in this upcoming year. Um, in 2018, you know, when you first arrived on campus, um, that was the last time that the Aztecs' offensive line was so young, mm -hmm. and it was also the last time where they didn't win double digits. There was there was that continuity, lots of talent. A lot of those guys went on to play in the league. A lot of those guys went on to play in different places, but it wasn't the same smash mouth, moving people, laying, you know, as the game wears on, wearing them down, et cetera. Um, 
Is there anything that you can learn from that 2018 team and bring it to bear here to be that extra leader and the responsibility that you were just talking about? Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that uh, Coach Hall actually brings up the 2018 team a lot to us, he talks about um, talks about the talent. There was a lot of talent on that team left on that team and Really, the only thing that we could blame was ourselves. We didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't, we didn't go into practice every day with the energy that we needed. Um, we just, and things fell apart. But it's it's a good thing that it happened back then as a freshman, and I see it then. And now I come into my senior year thinking I'm not going to let this happen to this team. I'm not going to let I'm not going to let us get comfortable. It's just something I don't want to repeat in my life. I don't want to go through. I'm not trying to put in because I I put in so much work to just. To just lose is not it's not it's not a good feeling. No doubt. So offering some specifics on that, man. What are your priorities um here going into the offseason and then um to set up everything for fall camp? One of my priorities is definitely getting stronger, getting faster. That comes with uh just training hard again and um perfecting my technique, getting my hands tighter in the run game is really something I'm I've been focusing on. Um just trying to finish blocks, get guys on the ground and smash them out uh, Aztec football. So you you obviously have a new set of quarterbacks this year, uh, at least for the starters. Um, what kind of bond have you built with uh, Braxton Burmeister through spring camp and then, you know, moving on towards uh, the fall? Braxton's a little social bug in the locker room. He's, 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 he's a talkative guy. It may not seem like it, but he's actually pretty talkative, which is pretty fun. That's a good way to get to know him. He's uh, super chill. Will, I've known for almost a year and a half now, I would say. Coming in, yeah, he came in in July, I believe. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a very athletic and very talented QB. Both dudes are very good, and uh, I'm excited for how how they perform this year. Now, speaking of athleticism, uh, in high school you did a lot. You played basketball, you played baseball, you were a shot put and discus champion. Apparently, is that <laughs> right? That's so funny. Yeah, I was just talking to my friends about that. Yeah. So how are you? So how are you able to be so multi talented across so many different things? Uh, that's all. That's all. All that goes to my parents. They've put me in sports since I was a young age, and I just fell in love with it. I love all sports. Um, I play pretty much everything, uh, and I just really wanted to do it in high school, and I yeah, I was fortunate enough to do so. So yeah. What position did you play in baseball? I I played every single position. I was an outfield. I pitched. I played first base, every base, pretty much. I played it. I played a, a good amount of everything. Nice. And so last year, preseason, you were on the uh, Polynesian Player of the Year award watch list. I believe you are you from Tonga and Fiji. Is that your background? That's uh my that's my family's uh, ethnicity. Yeah, we're uh, Tongan and Fijian. Yeah. So what can you tell us about that heritage and how proud you were to be named on that list uh, heading into last season? It was a it was a it was a big honor for me. I I I, I got to play in the Polynesian Football uh, Hall of Fame game in high school, so I I was really fortunate to experience that and made the connections that I have over there. And also that is uh, the Hall of Fame is like stationed in Hawaii. It's mm-hmm. in it's the the Hall of Fame like where you walk through and everything is in my hometown. So I'm pretty fortunate to go here and learn all about that stuff. And I'm happy. I'm, I'm hopefully, hopefully we'll do it again next year. So we'll see. We talked about your former teammates from last year going on and potentially being drafted. Is that something you're thinking about for oh, next definitely. year? Definitely. 
that's my dream, and I'm I'm, I'm gonna work for it. So yeah, I think I have one more uh, football related question, man. You are uh, you're one of the old dudes on campus now. Um, who uh, <laughs> no, <it's> who crazy? <laughs> who knows what it's like to uh, actually play a game in San Diego? And you know, you obviously I saw on your Andre calls it research. I call it stalking you on social media. Uh, so, you know, you went in as a fan to uh, watch the Chargers Chiefs game. Um, you obviously played at Qualcomm. And then, of course, just recently, you got to go view the construction at mm -hmm. Snapdragon. Mm -hmm. um, so just kind of coming full circle back to San Diego. Um, what, what do you think about all that? I literally think about that all the time. That was my first NFL game. And I think it was the Chargers playing the Chiefs and winner goes to the playoffs. And the Chiefs missed the game-winning field goal, and the and the Chargers win in overtime. And so that was and that was the that was my first NFL game, craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, Matt Titel, who's from who's from my hometown, went to my high school. We were watching him, supporting him. It was really cool to see Hawaii boys go out and show like how 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 we can that we can make it. And so like it was, it's really been an inspiration, and just the fact that. I got to I got to play in that stadium as well, and then getting seeing it get knocked down was kind of sad. But then just knowing that Aztec football is going to have its own home in Snapdragon Stadium is it's it's really exciting. So for you know I've I've uh, only been in the construction once, um, and it wasn't recent. So so tell me, I mean, what what is it that you you think game day experience on September third is going to be like? Oh, there's no words that can describe September 3rd. It's it's going to be jumping. The fact that we enter the field from the 50-yard line and fans are looking right at us while we're running out to the field, that's just that's just crazy. I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that. Yet, so I'm excited to do it. Did that play a factor in also deciding to come back for one more year? I would say, yeah, but not not as big as as some other things, but definitely, yeah. That was solid. Uh, you ready for some rapid fire non-football related questions? Gotcha. Shoot them. Let's do it, man. What's your favorite food? Hawaiian food. Oh, come on. Help, help, help us. Spamming with bees. Spam with bees. All day. How, how do you how do you how do you uh how do you like your spam? Uh, a little bit burnt, a little burnt around the edges. Yeah, that's that's the way to go with it. Uh favorite movie or TV show? TV show, The Office. Can't think of a movie right now, but I love all movies. Anything oh. Marvel. Anything Marvel. Okay. Okay. Marvel fan. Very good. Very good. Um, Andre, did, did were the couple of the freshman quarterbacks? Was the office their show? Yeah, a lot of people, even the current players, have said the office too. Yeah. Office is a great show. It's a great show. <laughs> I think uh Daniel Bellinger said the yeah. office. So now all Aztec Nation, if you're if you're uh, imagining what all the players are doing um after the game, playing flight home. They're, they're crushing the office, man, on the, on the laptops and the plate. Um, <laughs> the OG show. That's the OG. OG uh, what's your Who's your favorite musical artist or group? Artist right now, Bruno Mars group, The Green. They're a local band in Hawaii. Really good, really good music. Awesome. Um, who's your favorite professional athlete? Was Drew Brees currently active? I'd have to say... No, I'm gonna stick with Drew Brees. <laughs> what do you like about Drew Brees? Uh, I've been a Saints fan my whole life. Oh, and, uh, love love Drew Brees. Watching him play, the way he holds himself is great. Now, how, how does someone from Hawaii 
become a Saints fan? Uh, funny story. It was literally the first team. So I was like, I was probably around like eight years old and I was playing Madden. And the first team I've ever chosen was the Saints. And I've uh-huh. ridden, I've ridden with them for my life, <laughs> whole life. <laughs> That's awesome. And imagine like the fate differently if, you know, you'd pick the Browns or something. Seriously, um, no. I'll, <laughs> I'll think about it every day. Uh, what's your favorite hobby when you're uh, not getting ready for football? Hmm, let's see. Uh, I definitely enjoy spending time with my friends, uh, just kicking it. Don't have to do nothing, just hanging out, chilling. Definitely say beach. I love the beach. Love the water. San Diego is very similar to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big active sport guy. Just go out and play basketball, uh, whatever whatever there is with my friends. Whatever's going on, we'll go do it. That's awesome. who's, the, who's the best basketball player Ooh, on the Aztecs team? Let's say last year's team. Kobe Smith's up there. He can ball. Kagan Williams. Kagan Williams competitive. Brandon Crenshaw-Dixon's not bad. BCD, okay. he's yeah. not bad. He's pretty good. I'll stick with those two for now. I've, I don't think I've seen a lot of people play, but I've seen enough. I've seen enough to see. Yeah, <laughs> is there is there is there like a game um, that ask that you all play in addition to football a little bit more than than others? Oh, <laughs> uh, we 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 have this uh, locker room basketball hoop that we've been we've been uh, we've been putting to good use. We mm-hmm. oh we put that to good use last year. Uh, we've been uh, doing dunk contests and like one-on-one dunking and see who gets dunked on if he blocks it or not and then we humiliate the loser sounds perfect sounds perfect great job man for sure well alama we want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast looking forward to seeing you guys uh, run out there out from the 50 yard line uh, on september 3rd and seeing how the the new look offensive line uh does in the fall sure. yes sir i appreciate it thank you guys so much for having me our second guest today is weak side linebacker Michael Shawcroft. Shawcroft, a local kid from Helix High School, had his best season as an Aztec in 2021 when he collected 55 total tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, two forced fumbles, and an interception. We want to welcome Michael to the SDSU Football Podcast. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing pretty good. Uh, Good to have you on the podcast. It's good to be here. Uh, You're a hometown kid from Helix High School. Uh, You're entering your senior season. Uh, Three of your teammates last year who were from San Diego ended up being named All-Americans. How awesome was that to to see that unfold over the course of the season? Uh, I mean, it's really cool for any of our teammates to get the recognition that they deserve, but I think to to be able to do it in front of your hometown with your family behind you at every game, you know, even though, you know, for two years it wasn't really necessarily in our hometown, but having that name across your chest that says where you're from and where you're born, I think is something that's really special. Can you tell us about your connection to Team Makazi and how you've seen that program grow over the years? Uh, I started when I was a sophomore in high school, when I was making my transition from D-line to linebacker, actually. And when I first joined, it was just workouts. You know, we were just going out there on the field, doing some field work to work out. I was on the first team that ended up having like a, you know, travel seven on seven team. And to see what they've come now and, you know, to just being more to actually taking all these visits and getting the exposure that all these kids in San Diego deserve is uh, it's really something special to see. There's been stuff on social media of you going back and addressing them. Um, what, what has been your message to a lot of these kids who are trying to follow in your footsteps? I think the one thing that I always say is that 
one, you can't rush it. You know, sometimes it's a process. Sometimes your only offer may come, you know, late in your senior year. You know, you might have to walk on somewhere. But at the end of the day, as long as you get to play football at the next level, as long as your grades are right and as long as you're a good kid, you know, good things will happen to you. So just keep pushing and don't, uh, you know, don't get in your own head. Just keep working. If you know you're good, you're going to be good and it'll work out for you. The last couple of years, man, you've been splitting time with uh, Sagan, Luby, Andrew Alecki. Are you approaching this season any different with those guys going somewhere else and going on to the professional ranks? You know, I have obviously utmost respect for all of them. Both of them are great players. You know, I, I came in with Kiava, being behind Kiava, just watching him and learning from him. And, you know, I've learned from everybody before me. I think going into the season, you know, my approach is it's the same as it is every year, you know, whether I'm splitting reps or whether I'm, you know, playing every rep. I don't think it really matters. You know, you got to go in with the right mentality. You got to tell yourself that you're the best player on the field at all times, that you can do anything. And I don't think that's ever changed for me. Now, whether, you know, my role changes on the team or not, that's not up to me. That'll be up to coach and I'm just going to do whatever I can. So then when you committed to San Diego State, was was there any idea of like opening a new stadium? And uh, what, just, just what are your personal thoughts about being able to be in that team that's going to open up Snapdragon? No, honestly, I had no idea. You know, I didn't even know we were going to you know, be up in L.A. I wasn't even I had no idea. I was just coming to San Diego State because I loved it. I love the culture here. Being able to be a part of that first team that opens it up in your hometown, you know, having your family there, having all your friends there. It's man, I, I can't even wait. I can't I don't even think I can imagine the feeling until I actually experience it. You know, it's something that's just I think it'll hit me when I'm actually out there, you know, first game of the year and all the fans are there. I'm just I'm so excited for it because you are a local. Uh, obviously, uh, the new stadium means a lot to the team and to the players, but it also means a lot to the local community. What do you think that stadium is going to mean to the city just by, on, its, on its own? I think, you know, I, I have a lot of experiences. You know, you just go around to get some groceries. And, you know, if you're wearing, you know, a San Diego State Aztec football shirt, whatever, you got people coming up to you saying, you know, congrats on that good season. I wish I could have made it some more games. You know, I just couldn't make the drive, stuff like that. And I just think that's going to change, you know, with the stadium being back where it is, to having, you know, a community there, having all your fans there that are going to be around you and support you. I think it'll bring back a connection that was maybe lost a little bit with, you know, just people going to the game, people tailgating outside, people, you know, interacting with each other that, you know, we haven't gotten in a little while. So I think just it'll bring back a little sense of community down in San Diego. In that same uh, train of thought, uh, you played in the last season at old Qualcomm Stadium. Um, how significant was it for you to get into play on that field uh, before it was uh, torn down? I mean, it was honestly kind of a surreal feeling, you know, knowing that, you know, I've been to a few Charger games there. I was at the uh, Stanford game when the lights went out, you know, when I was still in high school, you know, I just watching everything come full circle, you know, from being a kid and being in that stadium to actually, you know, going into lockers, getting ready for your first college game down there is, you know, something that I don't think I'll ever forget. It was a, again, it's a real feeling to see everything come back and realize like, man, like I, I used to watch people here and now I'm the one that kids are watching and looking up to. So, you know, let me go out and do what I can. We spoke to your mom. Um, yeah, his past week. She's great, man. Um, but she, she, she is a football super fan. What, what is her support like uh, for you? Man, I can't even describe everything that my mom's done for me from just being a rock that I can always count on whenever I'm going through anything, talking to waking up at four in the morning with me throughout high school just to take me to workouts. You know, that's something that I don't think a lot of parents would do. I mean, I think that's something special that she's always done for me. And, you know, she would 
I'm not even gonna lie, she would wake up and make, I would wake up at four in the morning to go work out and then she'd make my food. So I wouldn't, you know, I'd be able to gain weight throughout school. And like, she's been there with me through absolutely everything. And I, I can't thank her enough and I can't tell her how much I love her enough. She, she mentioned those drives as well as a special time, but she mentioned that she had to do it a little bit longer than maybe normal. Cause you were a late driver. Why did you, uh, why did you drive late? And is it true that you loved all of the country music that she played before <laughs> she to listen to? Uh, I think I didn't start driving. I always wanted to drive. I just don't think, you know, it was like, it wasn't necessary, like necessary for me. So I didn't really have, I wasn't forced to actually do it. So I think that's why it took a long time, but I can't even lie. I, I still listen to country music today. You know, when I want a different kind of vibe and a different mood, she, at first I hated it, you know, cause they all sound the same. They start listening to it and kind of understanding the music. And yeah, she, she did put, she put me on that. I'm not going to lie. So as we went through spring camp and talking to coach Maddox, um, he mentioned about how Caden McDonald is uh, transitioning more to the middle of the defense um, with some, you know, his brother coming in and some other folks. Uh, what does he need to do to transition and, and, you know, be able to continue his great play in the middle of the defense? You know, I think, I mean, Caden's a great player, obviously, you know, two time first team on my own West can't take that away from him. He's a natural leader on the field a natural leader for us. Uh, I think, just being down on the ground for about two years, you know, have been in that two point off the edge kind of rush position is something that obviously he has that in his game, you know, but you can't take it away, but he's done off the ball linebacker when he first got here for his first three years, you know, he's only been in that down the line role for the last two. So I think as long as he just continues to work at it, you know what I mean? Continues to play. It's not like he's really learning anything new. It's just about getting the kinks out and working, you know, through, you know, kind of that new position change a little bit. But I mean, by the time probably, you know, at the end of spring ball, he was perfectly fine. I think by the time we get to fall camp and in the first game of the year, you know, he'll be, he'll still have the same production he did last year. And, you know, we can honestly do more now that you can bring him off, put him on the edge, move people around. You know, I think it'll be an exciting year for us. And with Cooper McDonald, uh, now that you've gone through a spring camp with him, can you give us a scouting report on what kind of player he is? Uh, I, you know, obviously the coaches can do a better job. I think for me and Coop, I would just say athletic ability is off the chart. And, you know, I just think time in the playbook, you know, but again, same thing. By the time we get to fall camp, by the time we get to first game of the year, you know, he'll be in the backfield. I hope every single play, you know, his athletic ability is ridiculous. He can make plays that I don't think I've seen a lot of people make. He works harder than a lot of people. So, again, I think it should be exciting. Now, with Cooper coming in, Caden possibly switching positions, you know, depth chart doesn't quite define where he's going to be. Um, it kind of seems like there's not as much buzz about Cedric Lakalaka coming back for an extra year. Um, what what does his decision to return mean to the linebackers and just like the team in general? I love Ced. You know, that's somebody that I came in, you know, me and him were always together. You know, when I first came in, he took me under. He helped me out. I think him coming back obviously is, I mean, I love, he's been a starter for the last two years, you know, in and here and there, same as me. And I think that him coming back means a lot to us. Obviously, you know, it obviously provides a leadership role, being a sixth-year senior, being through the program. It provides a more depth, you know, whether, you know, all there's any of us could start on any given day, any of us can get hurt on any given day. And I think that's something that, you know, you need as a linebacker, you need especially depth. And I think, I don't know if any of us have played a full season since we've been here. So I think his production, you know, is obviously always there. So him coming back obviously brings a sense of, you know, it brings that bonding back. You know, we all, obviously we all get along. We're all brothers. 
So we have it's that family unit still there, a kinship still there, and just his leadership and his production will still be there. And I think that's again something that'll help us be special this year. So what is um Kirk Maddox like as a position coach? Uh coach Maddox is I want to say an aggressive teletubby. That was be how I describe him. And he might get mad at me for saying that if he hears this. But I think when you know when you mess up, you know you mess up. No doubt about it. You're gonna hear it. But at the end of the day, he's gonna love you. He's gonna take care of you. He's gonna make sure you're all good. And I think that's exactly what you want to coach. You want someone that's gonna obviously you mess up, you know you're gonna be on it. You know he's gonna, but he's gonna tell you what you did wrong, why you did wrong in an aggressive way, which he should. And then he's gonna nudge you know, hey, it's all good. Everybody makes mistakes, get back out there and fix it. Don't get in your head about it. Keep playing, you know, keep working through it. Now, there was a surprise on the um, spring depth chart. New Zealand Williams was no longer a safety, but came down backing you up uh, at weak side linebacker. Um, could you just tell us a little about New Zealand and his transition from safety to linebacker? Uh, New Zealand, obviously young guys, still learning the playbook, still learning the ropes. But, I mean, if you watch him play aggressive, downhill player, loves to get to the ball, loves to hit people. And, you know, I think obviously that, I love that in the linebacker thing. Everybody else does too. And it also provides a speed aspect to us. You know, he coming from a safety, you know, it used to be in the, has to move his hips a little bit. He's faster kid. Now coming down in the box, you know, as long as he can get used to hitting a lineman, shedding off a lineman, may put a little bit of weight on, keep his speed. You know, I think it'll be really beneficial to us, you know, for a lot of reasons. So just for yourself individually, what goals have you set for yourself uh, for 2022? Uh, so for me, personal goal, obviously, is to play a full season. I've, I missed last year against Arizona, and I just, you know, I've had a few injuries here and there that I think that I just, my personal goal is to stay as healthy as I can throughout the entire year, you know, in football terms, speaking healthy. Uh, I want to keep my production up, you know, whether it's tackles, you know, top five in the team in tackles, uh, throughout all, you know, interceptions, everything, I just want to be at the top. And honestly, being an all-conference player, I was honorable mention last year. You know, I think early in the year, I didn't play as much as I did towards the end of the year. You know, I just think that I have that ability. I think I can if, you know, if I put my mind to it and put my work to it. So that's just something I want to be. Your grandfather, uh, Jack Shawcroft, was inducted to the Aztecs Hall of Fame this past season. Uh, in the 1963 SDSE yearbook, they described him this way. The Montezumans were paced by 5'9 Jack Shawcroft, the hard-driving hard-fighting little big man on the team. In many overtime games the Aztecs had this season, it was Shawcroft who came through calmly and coolly, moving the Aztecs to one of the toughest teams on the West Coast. So as we read that, the description kind of reminds us of you, you know, to describe your game. Uh, Why are the Shawcrofts such athletic fighters and competitors? You know, I just, (laughs) I think I just, uh, I don't even know where that would, you know, I think it's just something that's in us. You know, I think my dad, my dad played basketball at UCSD, you know, didn't go to the better San Diego school. So you know, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> I think that's just something that has been instilled in us. You know, I think my grandpa put that in all of his kids and my dad's put it in, you know, me and all my brothers. So I just think, you know, the athletic ability and the mindset is something that's there, you know, being able to handle adverse situations, being able to just be calm in the matter of, Hey, you know, the game's never over. You're never out of it. Just keep working, keep pushing. I think it's just something that's been instilled in all of us for, you know, since we were born. How cool was it to see him get put into the Hall of Fame this last year? 
man, that was, I think that was, I think it was more exciting for my dad, obviously, because he was in the stands going crazy. But I just think that, I don't know, you know, a lot of people didn't even put it together until like after the game or like a few days after they're like, hey, was that your grandpa? I was like, yeah, like, it's, I don't think it's that common of a last name. I think right. we're doing two together. But yeah, you know, I think it was, it was special. And to be able to do it at, you know, one of my games where, you know, I was playing, like I, having the family there, I think it was, it was really cool. All right, man. So those are some great football related questions, man. You ready for some rapid fire, non-football related? <laughs> Go ahead. All right, man. Favorite food? Burritos. What kind? Carne asada. Where? Where? Yeah. Where's, I mean, El Cajon. Okay. I was saying, you got to be quick, bro. If you're a local, you got to be quick. You got to have your spot. <laughs> What's your favorite uh, musical group or artist? Rap, hip hop, anybody. doesn't. I don't have a favorite. Wow. That versatile, huh? Yeah. I listen to all kinds of music. Including country music, clearly. Yeah, country and literally any kind of music, except for like classical. And how, how do you how do your roommates like that? They're the same way. Some like hip hop, some like country, some like like sing like you know songs like soft singing. It's kind of it's all diverse in here. You know. All right. So, uh, how much eye black is too much? Never enough. Never enough. You should, do you remember Jalil Lecky's face? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Never enough. <laughs> So, I mean, tell, tell me about the evolution of, of, of your use of that. Honestly, I just never really used it because it used to lie. It used to bother me. It would like scrunch my face. And then after a while, you know, I just, I think it was Towson when I first did it. One of the games was sunny and I was like, you know, what, let me throw it on there. And then I threw it on there and I just kind of felt like, you know, what, let me just keep, keep it going. That was perfect. It's a great, good luck, man. Um, who, who, who's your favorite athlete? LeBron James. First one that came dead. And what is it about Bron's game that you uh, admire? It's more or less what he does off the court than he does on the court. You know, I think being that role model for kids to look up to is more inspiring than anything he can do on the court. No doubt, man. Um, do you have any other hobbies other than uh, getting ready for football? Gone a little bit into painting lately. Just trying to take my mind off of everything. Have a few. And just cooking. Same thing. Listen to music while you cook kind of takes your mind off away from everything for a little bit. No, that's awesome. What, what, uh, what, what, I guess, genre of painting? It's like kind of like scenery, but like cartoon. I don't even know what you'd call it. Like cartoon scenery, you know, kind of things. Like it's not like realistic, but it's like yeah. you know, it's there. Very cool. Very cool. How long have you been doing that? Kind of just started like this year. Early that's this awesome. year. Michael, we want to thank you for uh, hopping on the podcast. We had a great time chatting with you. I uh, look forward to seeing you out there at the new stadium in the fall. Thank you. It was great being here, man. Appreciate you guys. Paul, we had uh, interviews with uh, two senior uh, football players, uh, Alama Uluave center and Michael Shawcroft linebacker. Uh, what were the main takeaways you had from these interviews? Well, with Alama, I think that when I would bring up the question about 2018 and if there, if you know, sometimes you, you see these patterns, but you're like, are they fair? Are you just making it up? Are you looking t- into it too far? Um, for him to acknowledge that, you know, Coach Ho, or Coach Hall, beg your pardon, um, it still speaks about that team. That is still a big motivating factor for the team. I think it bodes well that history won't repeat itself. I thought that it was just very insightful that 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 they're telling us that they pay attention to the same things and they're still looking out for. I guess, you know, where the program kind of hit that wall um, and, you know, it, it keeps coming up 2018 over and over again. And, you know, a couple conversations with the coaches and 
uh, a re an overhaul of the recruiting an overhaul of the strength and conditioning an overhaul of the kind of players that they, that they recruit, you know, just a really influential year. And it was a seven and six season, which to show how far San Diego state has come uh, seven and six was not around for a very, 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 very long time. So yeah, I, I thought that was uh, my chief takeaway. What about you? I liked how he talked about the reason he decided to come back was, you know, unfinished business. He wants a ring. Um, I think a lot of these uh, seniors that decided to come back, that was a, definitely a, a big selling point after not, you know, not winning the conference championship last year. And then the fashion that that happened, I think, left a bitter taste in everybody's uh, mouth. I also liked the fact he was talking about how at San Diego State, uh, the coaches let the the, the seniors kind of do the player. It's like he called it a player on player development about how the scene, they allow the seniors to lead and develop their position groups. You know, that's not something that's, you know, common across, you know, the country, but it is at San Diego state. So I like the fact that the coaches let their leaders and their seniors kind of help develop because with the offensive line, we all, we've been talking about it all spring. Um, ever since probably the Frisco Bowl is about how young they are and how they're going to need that development. And it's not just going to come from Coach Goss. It's going to come from uh, Alama and BCD, really mainly those two guys. Yeah, and I think at, you really saw that a lot in the Shawcraft um, interview because we were asking him about older players. And he's like, you know, the coaches, they could give you a fuller, a fuller account of who these players are. And, you know, he, he said some nice things about all his players, gave some good insight. But then we asked him about New Zealand Williams and it flipped and he became that mentor that uh, Ulave was talking about. And so I think you can really see that that culture that these older guys do absolutely take the younger guys um, under their wings. And, you know, speaking of Shawcroft, I, I think that what better ambassador for the program could you want talking about what it means to be an SDSU Aztec in the city of San Diego um, for him to talk about how cool it was that he got to play uh, at Jack Murphy stadium that he was thinking about. And he starts, you know, the games, the charger games, he was there at the blackout game in the stands. And so he starts going through some of that history and that he got to play there. And now the kids were idolizing and looking at him. Um, and then of course, being able to talk about, you know, the recognition that the high school players in the area deserve, et cetera, kind of throwing a little shade at his dad saying that he went to the other San Diego college, the not so good one. Um, and, and so bet I, 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 bet I, bet I also went to, yeah, we were going to mention that, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I, again, it just, it's, it's, it's exactly what you want from the best players in San Diego. And, you know, Michael could have went to, any Ivy league school that he wanted, he, he's that kind of scholar and he wanted to be an Aztec and he, you know, wanted to play in San Diego and he gets to kind of bookend it, right. Begin his career at um, Qualcomm and now he's going to move it to, to Snapdragon. And, and so I think that that was very evident from the conversation that we had with him. I got my undergrad degree at UCSD, but I got my grad degree at San Diego state. So I'm I'm well rounded in that respect. Well, no, see, and that and that's the whole thing. See, that's that's the whole thing. I uh gosh, I'm gonna forget the guy's name. A uh, wide receiver that came to San Diego State a few years ago. He was uh his last name's Butler. 
And um, he, Bryce Butler, Bryce Butler. Yeah. He, he was a USC guy, you know, and yeah. I, and I, and I asked him after he, he graduated, what, what school is he going to announce when he goes to Monday night football or they're announcing the beginning of the game and he, you know, Bryce Butler. And he says, it's your last school. So if you got your master's degree at San Diego state, bro, that's your last school. Yeah. Yeah. So, that. Yeah. So you, you, that's what you get to do. You get, you get, you get to say like, you know, I went to San Diego State. I liked uh, Michael was talking about when we asked him about the stadium, about how when he goes, you know, goes grocery shopping, fans see him wearing, you know, San Diego State gear. I might just recognize him. And they're like, oh, you know, but we couldn't we weren't able to drive up to L.A. to go watch the games. But, uh, you know, he, he was talking about how now they can and they can rebuild that connection of the fans in the city that they may have lost a little bit in the last two years. But I thought the highlight of that episode of his interview was describing uh, Kurt Maddox as an aggressive Teletubby. I didn't want to repeat it. <laughs> that I, I, I had I had to go back and listen, and I'm like, is that is that really what he said? And I was like, I listened to it, and he's like, yep, aggressive Teletubby. And we know Coach Maddox is going to hear it. So I I thought that was. That was a, a podcast first for sure. The word Teletubby used. I think that's got to be a universal first. I mean, what the hell is an aggressive Teletubby? I mean, that that's a frightening proposition. <laughs> I mean, yeah. oh my goodness. I think uh, I think Jerry Falwell might be the only person on earth who would be afraid of an aggressive Teletubby. If you get the old political joke. But. Yeah, it also made me think of, I'm not sure if it was during our podcast interview with Matt Coach Maddox. Or it might have been during a press conference during the beginning of spring camp when he was talking about Michael Shawcroft, about how Michael will sometimes challenge him on something he says in practice or in the in the film room. And Coach Maddox would be like, yeah, yeah, Michael, you're right, you're right. So I, I think there's a, there's a nice um, camaraderie, you know, back and forth that's built between those two guys in that so i you know i think there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek involved in in that in that comment but it was it was definitely uh something i'll remember no no question no question and and we'll have to we'll have to ask coach maddox about his thoughts later (laughs) on um and and then i guess the last thing for me on that interview um kind of foreshadowing a little bit because the the episode that's going to come out after this one is going to be a special mother's day episode that you're not going to want to miss. Um, but a little bit of a commercial, uh, Michael's mom, Liz was one of the people that we interviewed for that. Um, and she was terrific, but she mentioned tailgating and wanting to tailgate. And then Michael mentioned that as well as one of the things that people don't, didn't get to do in Carson as much and things of that nature and how that's going to create community. Um, back there, back in San Diego. And so again, it's just another insight into what it was like to be raised in that household with, uh, uh, you know, coming from a family who has a, a basketball player who used to play at San Diego State, got into the the Hall of Fame this past year during one of Michael's games, which is pretty neat. That's, that's kind of always the hope. Um, and you see the legacy of you know, how good the Aztecs have been the past 10 years because he was able to go to the games, have a great time, and then imagine and envision himself playing there. And now here he is as a senior and 
all of that stuff is internalized. And he is, again, a tremendous ambassador to everything that San Diego State would hope to be inside of um, the San Diego football community. Absolutely. I think the Mother's Day episode, I think, is going to people are going to enjoy that one because it was, it was really cool to not just hear uh, a couple mothers uh, speak, but also hear some of the players talk about their mom. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that. To close out this episode, uh, let's talk about the draft. Yeah. We had four Aztecs drafted and five um, signed as undrafted free agents. What were your thoughts? How, well, you think it went how you thought it would go or what surprised you too? Uh, I mean, anything in the NFL, nothing surprises you, right? I mean, you just you just can't be surprised. If you're surprised about the the NFL, you're not paying attention. I went on the radio on uh, John and Jim had me on an extra sports 1360. I said that that the fourth guy to be drafted was going to be Zach Thomas. Um, and so I was nervously <laughs> watching that to see if my prediction would come true. Um, so I, I was pretty, pretty happy being able to say that and he was the fourth one. Um, I think the biggest thing that I, I was just, you know, what I saw was how much of um, what's the right word, how conservative the NFL is. Matt Ariza is a punter. He has tons of notoriety. They don't want to bring that into their into their places. Right. Like not everyone wants a circus for their punter. And Ariza is going to be the story wherever he goes. I think also the other punters that they took are more traditional. They were trying to be NFL punters in college, whereas Ariza was trying to take advantage of the fact that he has a bigger leg, that the return guys aren't as skilled, that he's left-footed, and all of those things. And he turned into this 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 phenom, right? And obviously, I would I would argue that he's probably not drafted if he doesn't do that. Yet they're going to pick two punters in front of him that don't have as big of a leg, that aren't as good of athletes, that that probably don't offer as much, but because they're going to be able to go into the, the off season and be quiet and they're not going to draw attention their their, their games are already tailored to what the NFL says you have to do. And you can't deviate because this is what good punters have always done. And we'll never deviate and we'll never have creativity and we'll never do anything different. They get drafted higher. And, and so I think it was just another interesting message that comes across again and again, which is the NFL has types they have players that you have to be, you have to look a certain way, you have to be a certain way. And if you can fit these boxes, you're going to get a shot in the NFL. And if you don't fit those boxes, um, you're going to have a hard time. I can't say I was shocked that Matt wasn't the first punter drafted. I think I was a lot more surprised that there was two. And there was such a big gap between the first punter went mid to late fourth round. And then the second one went uh, towards the end of the fourth round and then not, no punters in the fifth and then Matt on the first pick of the sixth round. So, yeah, I, it's, it's, I, I saw a few, obviously you mentioned the whole left, left footed thing. You mentioned, you know, too strong of a leg, uh, maybe not enough hang time. Those are things Matt, you know, talked to us and has mentioned mm -hmm. that he's worked on. Um, I saw something on social media. I don't know if it was, a tweet or maybe a podcast interview I listened to about someone talking about how he was never a field goal holder and teams, NFL teams want their punter to be a holder. Well, you know, Matt also was the place kicker. So you can't be the kicker and the holder. 
for your field goals, right? So that's not him. Right. Um, that's definitely something that can be worked on in the offseason in, in prep. So I don't put too much, you know, stock in that. So otherwise, I mean, I think what you're talking about, about the hoopla around a punter, maybe, maybe that has something to do with it. We won't know because the GMs aren't going to tell us. Right. Um, other than saying that the two punters that they picked, they felt like were better for their teams. And, you know, one of them is one of my teams. So I was a little disappointed to see them take a punter and not have it be Matt, but you know, hopefully the Georgia punter has a great career and I won't have to think about it too much longer. Yeah. And, and then I would say that with the other players, I think that there was a very good, um, just very good lessons on how important the pre-draft process is. I mean, as much as people want to talk about, well, you know, the tape doesn't lie. The tape doesn't lie. Well, Daniel Bellinger's tape didn't change. Neither did Zach Thomas's. Neither did Will Dunkel's and neither did Cameron Thomas. And yet, because of what happened in the pre-draft lead up, their stock changed. And, you know, there's a reason why these, these athletes go and spend all this money or get it fronted by their agents to have all of this prep because it matters. And Cameron Thomas was not able to show like his brother did that he's an elite athlete. He wasn't able to do that. And when you're, when you can't show that you're an elite athlete and you're known as a guy who hustles a lot, sometimes that can actually be a knock on you. Um, Daniel Bellinger, on the other hand, known as the same hustle guy, um, you know, and in fact, I think people at the very beginning weren't even, didn't even think that he was a great athlete. And then he showed that, no, no, he's, he's as good of an athlete as as you're going to be able to line up against. Um, and so then he goes from being, oh, is he going to get drafted? Maybe six, maybe seven to being a solid pick in the right at the beginning of the fourth round. And so I think, you know, it shows a matter. Same thing with, with Zach Thomas. I mean, people, again, I think if you, when we started the draft process, I think most people, they wanted to see him that, you know, he played a lot of snaps you know, that sort of thing. But he was definitely behind bell. He was definitely behind Dunkel. Then he gets into the East West Shrine bowl and it's like, Oh, 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 this, this, this guy's athletic, you know? And then he runs an unbelievable 40 for his size. And people are starting to say, Oh, okay. Okay. And he's able to move himself up into a six round pick. And so I think that, that it's just a reminder that that pre-draft stuff can really, really matter. But overall, uh, nine guys so far have gotten an opportunity to, to go to camps. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if, you know, people like Tariq Thompson can go and join them and get another spot and a shot as we, you know, talk to him earlier. Um, but that's, a, that's a quite a few people who are who were playing just last year who are going to now go and get a shot to fulfill their dreams and play in the NFL. And, you know, just again, it's that same hundred season going towards Snapdragon, a lot of excitement. And this, this can only help that. One last comment on this past draft. I think Cam Thomas ended up going to a team where he's going to be able to play right away. Hmm. Um, You know, the Arizona defense kind of, really hurt at the end of the last year. Their run defense was poor. They lost Chandler Jones. J.J. Watt is not young, is not a young man, and he's always injured. So I think he's going to have a chance to play right away. 
either at that de- defensive end spot or an outside linebacker. Now, even though it's an outside, you know, I think the Arizona GM came out and said that they are planning on him playing outside linebacker, which surprised me a bit. Um, now, on a 3-4, the outside linebacker still plays on the line. They're on the mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're standing up and rushing or they're dropping into coverage more sometimes. So I didn't think that that's what, where Cam would end up uh, being utilized the best or the most effective. Uh, but, you know, things can change, obviously, so we can see moving forward. But I think he ended up in a, on a team where, you know, week one, he can be out, out there as a starter. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, years ago, um, I think a very similar change happened here in San Diego when they drafted Sean Merriman. Um, and I think at Maryland, you know, he had his hand in the ground. He, he was a defensive end. It, it's interesting because, you know, not knowing Arizona incredibly well, he's, he, he's going to have to bulk up if he's going to play defensive end in a, in a three, four. Um, and so I, I think that uh, with the clip, you know, of when, when that we put out, that coach Maddox was showing how much he ran and how athletic he was and, and things like that. Maybe they're going to see that they could strike gold because if it's true that he can work out and be an outside linebacker, set the edge and be an elite pass rusher, the Cardinals got to steal because you don't get guys like that, that size um, to play outside linebacker in a three, four um, in the third round. That just doesn't happen. Last question. Looking ahead to 2023 draft, how many Aztecs and who gets drafted? <laughs> I love all of these questions that are that are like way ahead of time. How many or who? I, I thought about this uh, yesterday. So, so I, you I, cheated. You cheated. Okay. Um, okay. No, no, that's okay. That's a great question. Um, I think Patrick McMorris um, would would immediately be the first person that you would um, is probably the highest on any draft board today. Um, I think he has a really good shot to, because he's got, he's got everything. I think Tyrell Shavers has a really good shot because he just has that elite size. Um, I think Jesse Matthews, um, he, he's going to have to find somebody who loves him. He's going to have to find somebody who just realizes that he might have the, some of the best hands in the whole world. And that's going to translate no matter what field he's on. Um, but he's going to have a hard time there. Alamo Lave, I, I think that centers who, who are as smart as he is, Big, strong. I think he's got a really good shot at, at being able to, to be drafted. Uh, I think that there's some outside shots for Keyshawn Banks. I don't I, I don't think that he's quite done enough in his career to, to kind of warrant that. Um, Caden McDonald, I think, is is got a good shot. Um, he's he's going to have to show, I think, a little bit more of a, be a little bit more of a, of a game changer. To, to really get onto that radar and really have those, you know, people be paying a lot of attention there. I, I would need to look at the eligibility. I don't know where Mark Bredman is at in this, but, but whenever he gets an opportunity to go, he just has elite size. And I don't know if he's three years removed from high school or not, but he has elite size and, and he's fast. And so he'll always, he's always going to get looks because he fits that box um, that, the, that they're looking for. Anybody else that would jump out to me? Jonah, uh, I think it's just, uh, Jonah. Jonah, uh, no, I, huh? I, I think Justice has a better chance of being in the NFL. Yeah, he just he's bigger. It's it's the same thing. I mean, what, what, do you how many how many six foot three hundred pound defensive linemen are running around the NFL? Uh, there's a decent amount. There are six six foot three hundred. 
I would say, yeah, six foot ish. Yeah. Ish. But, you know, to buy, his brother is just as big, but he's yeah. six, he's six, two, six, three. So it's, yeah, same, same kind of thing. It's, it's just, will, will he fit the mold enough to be able to get on the field to allow him to do what he did? You know, I think yeah. Donnell Pumphrey is probably the, the perfect example of this. Um, he never got the opportunity to just be a tailback. Like he never got the opportunity to just say, okay, fine. Listen, it's not working out that you fit the mold of a, of a Darren Sproles. So we're just going to give you the ball and we're going to see if you can beat out the other guys that are there. He never got that opportunity because they decided ahead of time that guys, his size in the NFL can't do that. Yeah. Well, that's also what they said about guys in college too. And he wasn't just anybody in college. You know what I mean? He, he, he carried the ball, but he just never got the opportunity because he just doesn't fit the mold. I think that the, the, probably the worst thing about experts is experts are wildly self-justifying. So they know that a back that can't be, and you know how they'll prove it. They'll never give him a shot. And then look, I was right. He couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I came, my initial thoughts was that there'll be two people, McMorris and Jesse Matthews getting drafted next year. Okay. Um, I looked some, a lot of, a few folks put out their big boards for 2023 already. The only Aztec that I saw on any big boards was Jesse Matthews. And he was a 66th wide receiver. Not the 66 yeah. player overall, the 66 wide receiver. Wide receiver, yeah. But I, I would think if we if we went back to this period, 2021, we wouldn't see probably nine Aztecs in the NFL or at least four getting drafted because so many – maybe Cameron Thomas uh, uh-huh. was in on the radar. Right. Um, but he was also only going to be a junior, right? Most NFL right. guys probably weren't even thinking about him coming out this year, right? Completely. Um, so a lot can change. And I think a lot of those defensive guys in the front six you mentioned are going to have opportunities to elevate themselves in that draft stock, just like Zach Thomas did and Dunkel did. And, and, you know, uh, obviously Matt Ariza with his season. So, but yeah, I think McMorris and Jesse Matthews are the two guys where I said, I expect them to be drafted assuming they do come out because technically they could have one more, you know, super senior season if they wanted to. So, but that's how I, that was my, my conclusion. My really, really, really early conclusion was two guys getting drafted next year. Uh, yeah, no. And, and I think, you know, I think that, that, that would continue, you know, a, a good run that they've had of, yeah. of, player, of players getting drafted. But yeah, I, I think that the one other guy I would throw out there that we should mention is Braxton Burmeister. Yeah. And if, if he's healthy, he's going to run into the same kind of stuff. Is he tall enough? Is he big enough? Um, can he make all the throws? He's going to run into that on the NFL level. You know, he, he's a guy that, that can make all the throws. And he's a guy that if, if he can stay healthy, could have a really, really big year for the Aztecs. And so that would be one other guy that I failed to mention that I should have mentioned. Yeah, no, that's a good call out. I mean, we'll see, it, a, lot of, a lot of those guys depend on what kind of seasons they have obviously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so we'll 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 have to revisit this discussion after the end of the season and see i don't your... i, I don't want to do that man i think <laughs> I, I i i think um i think i'm safe though i think i named like everybody you named a lot of people you, you know what i mean so so it's, you know i told you look what i did i'm an expert <laughs> <laughs> all right that's that's gonna do it for us um Thank you guys for joining us. Hopefully you enjoyed the interviews and our uh, 
discussion about the, the draft and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. You are listening to the SDSU Football Podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison. Thank you.